You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Thank you for joining us on Community Focus this morning, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. Food insecurity is an ongoing concern for hundreds of thousands of residents, our neighbors, for the people whose incomes don't cover dinner every day or whose benefits don't cover enough food for their families. It can be incredibly difficult. And Feeding South Florida, the main food bank in the Quad County area, is always there with fresh food and even opportunities to learn how to work in the food industry. And to tell us all about it, I'm so happy to welcome back to the program the president and CEO of Feeding South Florida, Paco Velez. How are things at Feeding South Florida? Continue to be busy. Lots of families struggling, just as you mentioned in your intro. Dollars aren't stretching as far as they used to, neither are those benefits, unfortunately. Is it correct that there are more first-timers needing assistance than we've had in quite a while? The first time we experienced an increase in first-timers was right at the start of the pandemic. When they closed everything down, folks had no job to go to and they were starting to get a little scared and didn't know how to navigate the system. That was the time we had the most amount of individuals without any kind of experience in the food insecurity realm. Now we're seeing a lot more families coming back just because, again, the dollar is just not stretching as far as it used to with rent prices, with food prices. Their benefits are running out or their dollar is just not buying the amount of food that it once used to buy. How is that impacting you? I mean, you and I have talked about how you've managed to stretch one dollar into nine meals. With all of the inflation and everything you just mentioned, is that impacting your ability to feed as many people with that same dollar? Well, we have dropped. That number has gone down to $1 equal four meals. Our rent has gone up 40% here at the organization, but we still continue to work with our donors. The unfortunate piece is sometimes those donors don't have the amount of food that they used to just because either people are buying them up or just the food hasn't been there. We're doing everything that we can to work with our growers, our distribution centers, our retail outlets to bring in all that food and make sure families have food on the table no matter what day it is. You're very agile and able to pick up and make adjustments as you need. But again, with $1 now feeding four meals, which is still 25 cents for a real meal, real food, fresh food is still remarkable. So raising those dollars will be even more important than ever. So we've been pretty successful and we're excited and proud that our community supports us and continues to support us on a daily basis to ensure that we're putting food on the table for families. A lot of folks are looking for ways to get involved, ways to give back and ensure uh, families have what they need in order to thrive here in South Florida. And for those people who are struggling just to pay the bills, they have to think one step further to those who are actually having to make choices between which bills to pay and whether you're going to pay the electric bill or the rent or the car insurance, or are you going to feed your children? And that's literally what it comes down to. And unfortunately, the cycle sometimes spirals into homelessness because someone has given up paying something that makes it untenable to remain in their home and still feed their children. 100% correct, Ellen. And these are impossible choices to make. Roof over your head, 
utilities, water, fuel in the car to get to work, or food on the table. And many times that food on the table is the first to go. Ironically, food is the one thing of all of those things that you need in order to survive, but that's the first thing to go. So it's just unfortunate. And we know how that then impacts children in school. They can't learn. They can't think clearly if they're thinking about how hungry they are. One of the things that I love on your website, your vision is for a hunger-free South Florida in which families have transitioned from dependency to self-sufficiency. Is this possible? It is. It is very possible. We believe it's possible. And there's a couple of things. One, we want to make sure families have fair and equitable access to food, no matter where they live, no matter how much money they make. So fair and equitable access to food, that's our number one priority. The other part about reaching self-sufficiency, we have workforce training programs where we help families and individuals who are unemployed or underemployed, help them be more marketable in the workforce, get them the skills that they need in order to achieve a higher wage job. Anything over a living wage, more than $15 an hour, even up to $20 an hour. So our warehouse training program helps folks not just with the skills they need, but we help place them in some of those jobs with some of our corporate partners like Ryder, Publix, Winn-Dixie. And they do pay anywhere from $18 to $20 an hour just for an entry-level job in the warehouse. So those are the things that we're helping families with to ensure that they're making ends meet. I did want to get into, because we don't always talk about the specifics of how someone does get into your system and become a recipient of food when they need it. I know you have two locations where you have food distributions, but you also have a giant list of on-site places where you do food distributions. How can someone, if they're coming up across this for the first time, reach out to Feeding South Florida and say, I can't feed my family, what do I do? So the first thing, either go to our website, feedingsouthflorida.org, or give us a call, 954-518-1818. And we're happy to connect you either here with one of our choice pantries in either one of our facilities in Pembroke Park or Boynton Beach, or connect you with one of our partner agencies. We have an amazing network of over 300 different nonprofit organizations with whom we partner to help families with food and other benefits. Most of our partner agencies are choice pantries, which means families can walk in. They choose what they want to take based on cultural preference, based on religious restrictions, and based on medical restrictions. We want to make sure that families are taking what they want to eat and what they can eat and not taking anything that's going to make them sick or anything that goes against any of their religious activities. So we have an amazing network. We help those families with a pantry. You also help families navigate the federal benefit application process. So if families want to apply for federal benefits like SNAP or food stamps, Medicaid, long-term care, temporary cash assistance, or if they need a referral to WIC, we're here to help them. Most of our partner agencies and feeding South Florida have a client management system. So we're able to see household or the family unit a little bit better, a little differently. We're able to see if it's a single parent head of household, whether it's a male or female, if they have certain needs or if the grandparent head of household and how we can address some of the needs from the older adults and the children to ensure that they have a solid foundation of support so that they can build their life on that foundation. You do so much more than just hand out food. Obviously, you have special people with special skills who can help people apply for all of those different benefits and work through the federal system, which can be a challenge in finding the information, filling out everything that they want to know and having all the paperwork ready. And I say that not to deter people from doing it, but to ensure that they know that there's help in putting it all together. 
Our team is very passionate, Ellen, and along with the skills necessary, they do have a heart to serve. And service is at the core of who we are and what we do, our number one core value. And that service is what drives us to continue to help families, continue to put food on the table, continue to help them navigate through these federal benefits and continue to create workforce training programs and place families in jobs that they most desperately need. Yeah. I know you've talked about how over the summer, when kids are not in school, they lose that free meal that they normally get, sometimes two meals. Sometimes they get breakfast and lunch free at school. And you have your Summer Hunger Ends Here campaign. Can you tell us about the campaign? Absolutely. So Summer Hunger Ends Here is a way to raise awareness about the issue of food insecurity or hunger, especially in the summer months. South Florida folks may not realize that there's a triple threat happening during the summer months. First and foremost, kids are home from school, which means they don't get those two meals that you talked about, breakfast and lunch. Second, families have to figure out childcare for those individuals or those children while the families are at work. And three, utilities and fuel prices tend to go up during the summer months. So it's just added expenses for our families. So this is just a way to get folks involved, as well as to raise awareness about the issue of hunger, especially during those summer months. And then looking a little bit ahead, and I'm sure we'll talk to you during September, Hunger Action Month. What is the difference between Hunger Awareness Month in May and Hunger Action Month in September? So May is more about summer hunger, and it's something that we have here in South Florida, specifically for South Florida. September Hunger Action Month is a national initiative created by Feeding America as a way to raise awareness about issue for all food insecurity and all hunger across the country. We ask everyone to participate and take action. Here locally, we have a campaign where we put out a challenge, find 30 ways in 30 days to raise awareness about the issue, whether you're wearing orange, whether you turn your website orange or just raise funds or bring a group in together to volunteer. So there's many different ways to get involved during September. What about volunteers? Do you need volunteers in the warehouse? We always are looking for volunteers. Our volunteer shifts are Tuesday through Saturday. We have two shifts a day. Uh, We can accommodate up to 100 people per shift. All are welcome. Go to our website and fill out the registration form. We do provide community service hours, so we can do that all electronically. We ask people to come out and be part of the solution uh, to help and hunger for our families. So go to our website, feedingsouthflorida.org, and find ways to volunteer here at the warehouse or at some of our events. And it will be one of the most gratifying things you do. Paco Velez, President and CEO of Feeding South Florida, congratulations on a dozen years of improving the lives of our community. We appreciate your efforts. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you so much. Joining us now on Community Focus, it is always a pleasure. Welcome Lisa Spadafina, the Director of Regulatory and Economic Resources, which is a division of Environmental Resources Management in Miami-Dade County. I know it's a mouthful, but basically you're a director and you know what's going on with everything involved with the environment. We spoke before Bonanza. I know that was a tremendous success. I'm so excited about that. And I understand you had Fertilizer Awareness Week, which was something completely new to me. And that was like the predecessor of a fertilizer ban that runs through October 31st. This just started a couple of years ago, right? That's correct. And first, let me just say thank you so much, Ellen, for having me back. It was a great pleasure to do that interview on Bonanza, which really was a huge success and a wonderful opportunity for people to connect with Biscayne Bay. So, yeah. so thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so this is an ordinance that went into place in 2021, and it was essentially to 
restrict the use of certain fertilizers during the rainy time of the year, which is over the summer, so May 15th through October 31st, so that we can prevent some additional nutrients from making their way into our surface waters like canals and Biscayne Bay. Now, when you say nutrients, I think of that as a positive thing, but apparently there are certain nutrients that are not good when they go into the bay. Yeah, so I think we, as people, as organisms that grow on this planet, nutrients are a part of our daily lives because it comes in the form of food. And so when you think of nutrients, everybody thinks nutrition, that's a good thing. And it is a good thing for plants. However, when we artificially apply fertilizer to our plants and trees in our climate, particularly in the rainy season, it can get picked up by stormwater and then it runs off into the bay. And when you have an overabundance of nutrients, it can create an imbalance in our water quality. Okay. And does that then affect our drinking water or it affects the water that the fish are in and then all of our marine life is at risk? Well, I think it can affect all waters, but I would focus our efforts here in this realm on stormwater, which is really into our surface water receptors. So it can affect the way in which the water quality is meant to be processed by the plants and the fish that live in the water. And so when you have an overabundance of these nutrients, it can um, create an imbalance where they have too much of a good thing, if you Uh, want to think about it in that way. Okay, that makes sense to me. And you said specific types of fertilizer. So is this fertilizer that the average person uses on their lawn or are these more for farming or, you know, where, where is there a breakdown of what's good and what's not good? So for Biscayne Bay, as an example, there's a, it's called a, a phosphorus limited system, meaning that there is not a lot of phosphorus and that's how it thrives well. So when you add additional phosphorus to it, it does throw it out of balance. And one of the other nutrients that we're concerned about is nitrogen. So those are the two constituents of fertilizer, nitrogen and phosphorus, that we're looking to limit. The phosphorus is more problematic year-round. The nitrogen we're trying to limit during the rainy season. Okay. So obviously, I'm not much of a gardener. (laughs) If I were, I might know more about this. But I'm going to guess that people who are farmers understand what fertilizer with nitrogen and phosphorus is. Are there fertilizers that don't contain those nutrients that people can use during the rainy season? So just so that you're aware, as well as the public are aware, this fertilizer ordinance and this fertilizer ban during this time of the year doesn't actually extend to any of our bona fide agricultural facilities. So, you know, farms that are using fertilizers are not subject to this restriction. Okay. Um, but I would say that the best way to ensure that our plants and our other, you know, green living things that our houses are thriving is to actually plant native species because those are already situated to our climate, to our soil and to the elements and don't need necessarily additional fertilizers to enhance their growth. Okay. So that is definitely one way that folks can um, to not have to use fertilizers by planting native trees and plants. Okay. I did notice on your website, there were several links. One was to how to fertilize properly. Another one to a lunch and learn webinar that you could watch. And then what was interesting to me was the Florida Yard and Neighborhoods Program. This is with University of Florida. And they had a checklist for Florida-friendly landscaping practices with nine principles, the first one being the right plant in the right place. So that goes right to what you're saying about using native species. 
And I guess you can get that list by going to your website, or is there somewhere else you would recommend that people learn what are the right species of plants to use that are appropriate for Florida? So I would say first and foremost, for everyone to go to our website, it's miamidate.gov backslash fertilizer. And on that website, like you mentioned, there are plenty of links to other documents that are available to the public. Um, the one that you had mentioned is with IFAS, which is an extension office of the University of Florida, and they are extremely knowledgeable on all practices related to agriculture and to planting. And so that is a great resource for the public and particularly, you know, things that they can learn on the internet that doesn't require them necessarily to go anywhere. And certainly, you know, the whole point of this awareness is to bring the awareness to the public so that they know their role in protecting our environment. And this is just one of the things that they can do to really enhance the environment in their community. It reminds me of when people plant trees that are not native to Florida. And those are the first ones to fall over during a hurricane. Whereas our palm trees that bend with wind, you know, you'll lose branches, but a whole tree rarely falls down, at least not in the storms that we've seen so far. That is definitely true, Alan. Um, planting the right tree in the right place is really sort of a guiding principle of Durham and the way that we speak to people and educate them about how they should plant, you know, landscaping or trees at their properties. And there are a number of native trees that are situated for living in South Florida and dealing with our climate and also our storms. So that's a great point. And you do regular adopt-a-tree events. I think June is the next one. It is. And so we have three events that we are planning this year, and they are located at three different locations in the north, the central, and the south of the county. The first one is June 4th, and it is at the Miami-Dade College North. And it's a great opportunity to come out if you're a single-family residence or a duplex to come out and adopt trees. You can get two trees that are free. We have a number of really professional, educated staff that are out there. They can answer any questions related to trees, how to plant them, how to take care of them. And we'll also be providing all kinds of information about this fertilizer ordinance at that same time. Is there a penalty for noncompliance with the ordinance? And how would so, you know? <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good question. So, you know, we try not to focus necessarily on the penalty because first and foremost, what we're trying to do is really educate people about how important it is to appropriately handle the landscaping on their properties to not, you know, put fertilizers in that could be harmful to the environment. And, and so there is a fine and I believe it's $500. Um, we certainly, as we are trying to educate the public on what to do, what not to do, the times of the year, you know, how to do this appropriately. Uh, we do sometimes rely on the public to notify us when they see things that, you know, maybe aren't above board or that might be questionable. Plus, we have our staff that's out there, you know, doing inspections all the time. And, you know, we're, we're kind of out and about in the community. But, but like I said, I think we're really focusing more on the education and the outreach than we are really on the fining. Okay. Well, we will make sure this information is on our website, in particular, the Adopt-A-Tree event on June 4th, since you'll be handing out all of the information about the fertilizer ban there as well. And with hurricane season around the corner, having the right trees and the right plants is really critical to saving your home and getting information about proper pruning and who to call, you know, all of it. It's There's a lot, but when you are talking to the people who are knowledgeable, it becomes pretty easy. And if you want people who are knowledgeable, <laughs> you go to Miami-Dade County's Derm. Again, that website about the fertilizer ban, which runs through October 31st, is miamidade.gov 
slash fertilizer. Put June 4th on your calendar for the Adopt a Tree event. Two free trees for you at Miami-Dade College North. We'll have that on our website. And Lisa Spadafina, thank you so much again for taking the time to always keep us informed and help us to become more knowledgeable about our environment and be more proactive in taking all of the steps necessary and making it easy for us to do that, to live in a South Florida appropriate way. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Alan, for having me. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And, you know, we really do love meeting with the public, educating them and making them understand that they really do play a role in, in how we as a community protect our environment, you know, our air, our soil, our water. They're really integral in that. So I love every opportunity that we can to do that. And we'd love to see everybody at adopt a tree It's a great event, June 4th at Miami-Dade College North. I'm going to so push thanks. it. Sometimes we forget we celebrate Earth Month and then there's 11 more months and nobody talks about it anymore. And it's critical for us to be aware of this all year round. Absolutely. And just to, as a reminder to, you know, the public out there, how important the environment and equity is to our county mayor. It's sort of her pillars. So uh, we're always trying to find ways to enhance the outreach and education on those factors. OK, well, we whatever Mayor Kava wants, we want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Ellen. Thank you. Thank you so much. And finally, on Community Focus this morning, I am really excited to introduce an organization that's new to me. It may be new to you, but their mission is so on target with what we need in our communities. It's called Success We Achieve Together. The founder, Kevin Littleton. Good morning and thank you for joining us. Good morning, Ellen, and thank you for having me. Well, you know, I got your information about what Success We Achieve Together, or SWAT, if you want to call it that, is due. Doing and the fact that you're having this father-son-daughter basketball tournament coming up as a fundraiser. And I just thought, this is really important, and I want to let our listeners know about it. So you are the founder. What motivated you to form a nonprofit about success we achieve together? You know, back in about 2012 is when this organization was formulated. And for about a few years, it just pretty much sat there. And because, you know, success, I've always felt it's a team effort. No one becomes successful on their own. A team effort is always involved. I use a boxer's analogy. They might be in the ring by themselves fighting, but before they got to that point, there was a team behind them getting them prepared for that. Right. And so that's why the term is success we achieve together. I love that. Just the whole concept of bringing people together to move things forward. You hear people all the time talk about how they have mentors, role models that they follow. And almost everyone who's a big success has someone who helped them along the exactly. way move to the next step. So you came up with this idea. And what's the goal? And what are your plans for achieving this goal of working with people to help create success in the community? Well, one of the first thing that we've always believed to do, you know, everything starts with the mind, family and finances. And those are one of the key things that if we can tap into those and understand that, because, I mean, we hear a lot of stuff about, you know, from mental health or all these different things, which was always important because a person's state of mind has always been important to their success or the decisions they make in life. And what we want to do is to help people with those decisions, because if you make solid decisions, 
your finances will be solid, your family, because if we include all of those under that one umbrella, mind, family, and finances, and we get all of those strengthened, especially the mind, then guess what? All these other things will fall into place. So true. How did you learn that? Was there something in your own life that brought you to that point where you made that realization those are the key things? My own personal experience growing up, because some of the stuff that you see out there, the challenges of peer pressure, and, you know, you see people around you get in trouble. You yourself almost got in trouble, you know, as a youngster, and you start realizing that, you know what, these decisions I make in life is going to be my choice, even though we sometimes we can say our home life was messed up. But at some point, you're going to have to take responsibility, like, listen, you're at a certain point that, you know what, you got to make better choices or this is what can happen. Because believe it or not, when I go about my days and sometimes I see people sleeping in the streets, you know, mm-hmm. and you sometimes you say to yourself, that could be you if you don't make better choices. Sometimes mm-hmm. I use them as my motivation to make sure I continuously make better choices because you see the results sometimes of not making those choices. Jail dead or on the streets. Yeah, that's a great motivator, I gotta say. So I know you've got some, as you say, a team together of people who work with some skills training, life training, and that sort of thing. So there are programs. And of course, funding programs, funding a nonprofit is really important. And I love what you're doing with this two-on-two basketball tournament. Tell us about this and and what I love about it. It's father, son, daughter. So you've got family teams together. This is June 17th. What's going to be happening? Well, on June 17th, it's going to be 16 teams, three rounds of basketball and father, son, daughter. And just to be clear, because I understand how family dynamics work today, it doesn't have to be the biological father. Okay. We, we simply say we're calling fathers, all fathers, father figures and mentor. Love it. You know, come on out because you know what I realized over the years that, you know, the role of a father in their child's life is very important. And sometimes the way society is going, sometimes it seems like that role is diminishing or people are not taking it as seriously. Mm. Now. All sports have life skills lessons involved in them. You know, I chose basketball because that's my favorite sport, Mm -hmm. because there is lessons that you can learn in a game of basketball that you can take beyond the basketball court. Like, you know, never giving up when the odds seem like it's against you, you keep on trying. You know, and sometimes that's where that parent or mentor is teaching that young person on the court, like, okay, that team looked like they might be bigger than you. Does that mean they're going to win? No, it's about what do you have inside of you? You got the heart to let's do this. Right. And the truth of the matter is the real bonding situation of this happens before the actual game on Saturday, the 17th. It's the days before that that they'll be out practicing, playing against other people to be prepared for that day. That's where the real bonding and learning is going to take place. Honestly, I don't want anyone showing up on the 17th just fresh, let's go and never practice. It's like, oh, Lord, you know, Uh (laughs) (laughs) you want them to days before out there 
working on it. This is what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And that's where the whole bonding thing comes into play. Because sometimes you got some fathers who, for whatever reason, they may not be in the house. Or if they're in the house, they're probably busy all the time working. And this is a day, come on out with your child and let's have fun and learn some skills at the same time that that child can always take beyond the game. I'll tell you what, the Miami Heat have certainly been the inspiration lately. They're a perfect example. They were an eight seed uh-huh. at the time and no one gave them a chance. And guess what? Determination, heart and grit. Look where they are now. Absolutely. And it is. It's a great spirit that you're watching. And that's part of it, too, is that whole teamwork, both in the family and then bringing people in the community together also, I think, is a really important aspect of what you're doing. This is happening in the city of Lauderdale Lakes. That's yes. we, we do a lot of stuff with them. I love, love the people who run the city. Is there a particular reason you chose that? Well, actually, yes, because we are located in Lauderdale Lakes. So I figured, why not start in your own backyard? That makes sense. Okay. Now, is this a park where you have the location? Yes. Actually, it's 4331 Northwest 36th Street. That's Vincent Torres Park. Ah, okay. That's we were there on Thanksgiving for the farm share turkey distribution. Great location. Yes. So that's where it will be located. And once again, like I said, I want people to just understand the value of a positive male figure in a child's life, you know, and it speaks volume. So once again, even if you're not the biological father and you have someone that can represent, by all means, come on out. Now, there is just so no one tried to be funny so they can bring their friends, the mentor or father figure or the father, there has to be a 15 year age gap between child and the adult. So they can realistically be that child's father. We don't want them to bring their friends. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) See, you know all the tricks, right? (laughs) Yeah. The ages are between 10 and 17. And of course, it'll be broken down accordingly based on the age until we get down to the final two teams. And then after that, the best team wins. And there's cash prizes. Yes, there is a $250 prize for the winner. Okay. And then for the runner-up, 125. This is beautiful. How does someone register for the two-on-two? Okay, what they could do is they can, to register, you go to SWATteamwork.org, and all the rules and information is on the site, and you register right there on the site. There is a $20 registration fee per team. Okay. And you said the teams are limited. There's only 16 teams. So you want to be sure you sign up like now. Yes. Um, You want to sign up. If you show up on the day, if you do a walk on and you didn't sign up, I can promise you'll get a chance to play. Most likely not. So just to be on the safe side, go to the website. And if it's full, then you will know that there's no more space. Because there will be some to indicate that there is no more space. Okay. Now, what about people who want to just come and watch? Yes, it's free to the public. So there is space that, you know, people can come and attend to watch the game. This sounds like a really fun family day. And I'm just going to say bring water because you know what? It's right before the official start of summer and it's hot. 
So (laughs) stay hydrated. And again, it's June 17th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Vincent Torres Park, Lauderdale Lakes, 4331 Northwest 36th Street. You can register on the website, SWATteamwork.org, and that stands for Success We Achieve Together. One more thing. You can also call us at 954-770-6148. If there's any questions that you might want to ask that may not be on the site, you can always call and someone who could answer that question for you. Okay. This is our first annual because we want this to be an ongoing thing. All right. I have good vibes about it. (laughs) I'm feeling (laughs) it. So, yeah, let's make this happen. First annual SWATS annual two-on-two father-son-daughter basketball tournament. We're all hyped up about basketball right now, so get out there and have a great time. Bring the whole family out to watch Make It a Great Family Day. Kids will be out of school. No excuses, right? Right, exactly. All right. We will talk again. I want to follow up and hear how things went. And then next time, let's talk more about some of the programs that you have about success you achieve together and how you can work with people to help them with their life skills. Definitely. And again, thank you, Ellen, for having me. I do appreciate you having this forum to help out folks like us who's trying to get positive community things together. And it's greatly appreciated. Well, we need people like you and I appreciate what you're doing. And I wish you much success with the tournament. Again, it's Success We Achieve Together. Go to SWATteamwork.org for more info. Thank you, Kevin Littleton. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Community Focus this morning. If you have questions about today's show or would like to suggest a topic, please feel free to email me at ellen.jaffe, J-A-2-F-1-E, at cmg.com. Join us again next Sunday for an all-new edition of Community Focus, and have a wonderful day. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.